We've talked about the Apostle Paul four other times, haven't we? Now, do you remember where in the Bible we find out about Paul? That's right, in the book of Acts in the New Testament. So very quickly, what did we talk about before? Well, the first time we talked about how Paul stopped hating and persecuting Christians and became a Christian himself. The next time we talked about what we call Paul's first missionary journey. This was the first time that Paul was sent out from the church in Antioch in Syria to teach about Jesus and to establish churches, groups of believers in Jesus who would meet together, probably in their homes, and they would worship God and pray and sing. And who did Paul go with that first time? Yes, with Barnabas. Mark started out with them but left them. After they got back, there was the big meeting with the apostles in Jerusalem about whether Gentiles had to follow the law of Moses. What was decided, do you remember? That's right. It was decided that the Gentiles did not have to follow the law of Moses. I'm glad, aren't you? Well, then on Paul's second missionary journey, he took Silas with him instead of Barnabas, and they went overland back through the places he'd visited before. Timothy joined them, and they traveled still overland, clear over to Troas on the seacoast where Luke joined them. Then Paul had a vision which led him to go across the water to Macedonia. There in Macedonia they went to the big city of Philippi, where Paul and Silas preached and ended up being beaten and thrown in prison. There was the earthquake and the jailer who became a Christian. And then after that they were taken out of the prison and they left for Thessalonica. But Luke stayed in Philippi. And in Thessalonica, some unbelievers tried to cause trouble for them, so they left and went to Berea, where again believers tried to cause trouble for them. But Paul went by sea to Athens. In Athens, Paul met a man named Aquila and his wife Priscilla, both believers, and he stayed with them, didn't he? And Paul gave a speech about Jesus on Mars Hill in Athens and then went a little ways away to the city of Corinth, where he stayed for a year and a half, teaching about Jesus, even though some unbelievers again tried to cause trouble for him. In each of these cities, many people believed in Jesus and were saved. Isn't that wonderful? And that was the reason Paul was making this trip, wasn't it? He wanted people to be saved from their sins to know that Jesus had died for our sins just as the prophets had said, and that he was then alive again and lots of people had seen him, and how they could have their sins forgiven by trusting in the Lord Jesus Christ. And then they'd be able to be with God forever after they died, wouldn't they? And Paul wanted them to know that Jesus is coming back to earth someday to be king of everything. Well. After Corinth, Paul and Silas with Aquila and Priscilla took a ship heading toward home, 
and they stopped just a little while at Ephesus. Aquila and Priscilla stayed in Ephesus, but Paul and Silas got on a ship to go to Jerusalem. Then he went back to Antioch in Syria, from where he had started his journey, and that is where we stopped talking about the Apostle Paul the last time, wasn't it? After he had returned from his second missionary journey. So let's see what Paul did next. There will be excitement. Well, Paul was now back in Antioch in Syria with the believers there. But after a little while, he and Silas left there and started overland to visit the churches that he had started earlier. This would be what we call Paul's third missionary journey. So they started out encouraging the believers in lots of places. Meanwhile, over in Ephesus, a godly Jewish man named Apollos came from Alexandria in Egypt. Alexandria would have been named after Alexander the Great, who had ruled several hundred years before, wouldn't it? Apollos knew the scriptures very well, what we call the Old Testament. But he only knew the things that John the Baptist had taught. I told you another time about John the Baptist, didn't I? Well, Apollos was speaking about God in the synagogue there. So when Aquila and Priscilla heard him, they took Apollos and explained to him about Jesus, and he believed. And then Apollos decided to go across that part of the Mediterranean Sea to the city of Corinth. So the Ephesian believers in Jesus wrote a letter telling the Corinthian Christians about Apollos and asking them to be nice to Apollos. And then in Corinth, Apollos was a big help to the believers there. I do hope you have asked somebody to show you these places on a map so that you can follow how Paul traveled. A map makes it so much easier to understand. Besides, maps are interesting, aren't they? In the meantime, Paul got to Ephesus after Apollos had left there. And about twelve of the believers there only knew about the teachings of John the Baptist and had been baptized to show they repented of their sins. So Paul explained to them more about Jesus Christ, and then they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus to show that they now trusted in Jesus to save them from their sins. And Paul put his hands on them and God the Holy Spirit came on them, and suddenly they began speaking in different languages. That was a miracle, wasn't it? And Paul preached and taught about the Lord Jesus there in Ephesus for about two years, and people all over the whole area, both Jews and Gentiles, heard about the Lord Jesus, and the Lord let Paul do miracles there. Many people didn't trust in Jesus, but many others did. And many of the believers had had expensive books about false gods and magic. But of course they wouldn't want them now, would they? So they brought these books together and made a big bonfire out of them. They burned them all up. They didn't want to keep their bad books or let anyone else have them either. That was a wise thing for them to do, wasn't it? And the word of God grew and spread all over the place. But this was going to lead to trouble for Paul. 
Why? Why would it lead to trouble that many people were being saved by believing in Jesus? Why you think everyone would be happy that people were trusting in Jesus to save them, wouldn't you? But no, there were some Gentiles who were very unhappy about it. Why? Because now they couldn't sell the idols they were making. You see, Ephesus was a Gentile city, and they had a big temple to a false god there. In fact, it was to a goddess. Her name was Diana, and there was an idol of this goddess Diana in the big temple, and quite a few men made little shrines, statues of this goddess in her temple, and sold them to people. And that's how they made their living, by selling the idols. But now, with so many people becoming Christians, they weren't able to sell so many idols anymore. How silly and how wicked to worship an idol! An idol is just something that someone has made. How can an idol do anything good for us or save us from our sins? Besides, we can't make God, can we? Why, God made us. Anyway, one of these idol makers was named Demetrius, and he made idols of Diana out of silver. He was called a silver smith. A smith is someone who works with metal. A black smith works with iron. A gold smith works with gold. So, a silver smith is someone who works with silver, isn't he? Well, Demetrius the silver smith was really losing a lot of money, wasn't he? And he got the other idol makers together, and he said to them. Sirs, you know that we get our money from making our idols. And Demetrius the silversmith said, "And you can see and hear that not only in Ephesus but all over the place, this Paul has been teaching people that gods that people make aren't really gods at all. So we're not going to be able to make and sell idols," he said. And not only that, but people aren't going to respect the great goddess Diana anymore, nor her temple. And we know that all the world worships her. Well, the other idol makers listened to him, and they got very angry, and they started shouting, "Great is Diana of the Ephesians!" And the whole city got confused, and a riot started, and the people grabbed two of the men who had been with Paul and took them to a big meeting place. Well, Paul was going to go in with them and try to talk to the people and calm them down, but his friends wouldn't let him. I guess they were afraid the mob might really hurt him. And the crowd was all shouting things. Some of them shouted one thing, and others shouted other things. You see, most of them didn't even know why they had joined the crowd and what it was all about. They were just going along with the excitement without knowing why they were doing it. That's a pretty silly thing to do, isn't it? One believing Jew tried to get the people to be quiet so he could talk to them, but as soon as they realized that he was a Jew, they knew that the Jews didn't worship Diana or idols. Why? Then the riot just grew worse. So for about two hours, this silly Gentile crowd just shouted, 
Great is Diana of the Ephesians. Finally, some official of Ephesus got the people to quiet down long enough so that he could talk to them. He said, "You men of Ephesus, everyone knows that the city of Ephesus worships the great goddess Diana and her image. So since everyone knows this, you should just quiet down and not do anything without thinking." He kept talking and said. These men that you brought here aren't robbing the temple of Diana, nor saying anything bad about her. So if Demetrius the silversmith or any of the others have anything to say against them, they should go to the judges and tell them and have a trial. And the official said, "We're apt to get in trouble for this riot because there really isn't a reason for it." Remember, the Romans ruled in Ephesus as they did everywhere at that time. And the Romans didn't like riots, so finally the mob was quiet and went home. Wasn't that all silly? Imagine riots about a false god and idols, but actually it was really about money, wasn't it? The Smiths wanted to keep making and selling idols, and they had to find an excuse to get the people upset. So they said it was all about disrespect to their false god. Well, after all of this uproar, Paul called together the Ephesian believers. They hugged each other, and then he left to catch a ship and go over to Macedonia and visit the groups of believers there. Remember, they didn't have big church buildings as we do now. Church just meant a gathering, and the Christians would gather together and worship in homes and maybe other places. We can worship with other believers anywhere, can't we? Well, Paul left Ephesus after the riot, and he went over to Macedonia. He had been there on his second missionary journey, hadn't he? The Bible doesn't tell us just which cities Paul went to this time in Macedonia, but since he was visiting the churches, the groups of believers in the cities where he'd been before, I'm sure he went to Philippi, Thessalonica, and Berea. Then he went farther down, probably to Corinth. But after a little while, just as he was getting ready to get on a ship and sail back to Antioch and Syria, he found out that some unbelieving Jews were hiding and waiting for him, probably where the ships were. They would try to hurt him or even to kill him. So Paul went back up by land through Macedonia, and then decided to go over the little stretch of water there by ship. To Troas, Timothy and six other Christians had been with Paul, and they went ahead of him and waited for him in Troas. And in Philippi, in Macedonia, the doctor Luke joined Paul again. Remember, Luke wrote the book of Acts, and we can tell when Luke is with Paul, when Luke says "We did this" or "We went there" instead of "They did this" or "He went there." Well, anyway, Paul and Luke got to Troas and stayed a week there. And the day before he was going to leave Troas, on a Sunday evening, the believers all got together in an upper room. And since it was evening, there were a lot of candles or lamps burning, which probably made it warm. Anyway, Paul preached to them, and since he was leaving them, they wanted to hear him. 
and he wanted to tell them things before he left. He preached all evening until midnight. He must have preached several hours. Now, what do you do when the preacher has been preaching a while? I know that sometimes I get sleepy. Do you? Well, there was a young man in the group there, and his name was Eutychus. And this is the only time in the Bible that we ever hear about Eutychus. But poor Eutychus got really sleepy while Paul was preaching. And it was probably warm from all the lamps. And it sounds like Eutychus was sitting on a windowsill. Anyway, poor Eutychus got so sleepy that he went fast asleep. And then he fell out of the window of the upper room and everyone thought he was dead. But Paul went down to where Eutychus was and hugged him and said, Don't worry, he's still alive. Now, I'm not sure if Eutychus had actually been dead and the Lord let Paul make him alive again or just what, but I think there was some sort of miracle here, since falling out of a third-story window would certainly have hurt him. But he was all right. Well, the people all had a meal. Then Paul talked some more until the morning when it was daylight. He talked all night. I think the people really wanted to hear him, as he might not be coming back again. Anyway, then he left, and Eutychus joined the other people, and everyone was glad that Eutychus was all right. But imagine only being known as the young man who fell out of the window during the sermon. <laughs> How embarrassing! Okay, so Paul left Troas, but he decided he wanted to walk across a piece of land and join the others on the other side. So the men who had been with him, including Luke, got on his ship and met him a little later after he had walked. So then Paul got on the ship, and the ship sailed away, stopping at various little islands as it went on its way. Paul decided not to go to Ephesus again. He wanted to see the elders, the leaders of the church in Ephesus, but he seems to have been worried that they'd try to get him to stay a while, and he was in a hurry to get back to Jerusalem in time for the Jewish Feast of Pentecost, also called the Feast of Weeks. So instead of going to Ephesus himself, he sent a message for them to come to the seaport where he was and see him there. They came and Paul talked to them quite a while. He encouraged them and told them to be careful of people who might start teaching lies to the believers. But then he told them something else. Paul said, The Holy Spirit has told me in all of the cities I've been in that a lot of trouble will be waiting for me in Jerusalem, but I feel that I need to go there anyway. I just want to give the gospel, the good news about Jesus to people. The Bible doesn't say, so I'm not quite sure how the Holy Spirit told Paul this, but I think it was probably through prophets that he'd met in the various cities. And then Paul told the Ephesian elders something very sad. He said, I know that you'll never see me again. And Paul knelt down and prayed with them, and they all cried because they wouldn't see him again, and they hugged him and kissed him. 
Then they walked with him to the ship, and he sailed off the Luke and some others. They sailed from little island to little island, and finally got to where they could take his ship over to Syria. They stayed there a week, and more prophets told him that he would have bad trouble in Jerusalem, but he still wanted to go there. When he was going to leave, a lot of men and their wives and children went with Paul down to the ship, and they all knelt down and prayed. Finally, they said goodbye to Paul. He got on the ship, and the people went back to their homes. Paul and his friends finally got to the seaport of Caesarea in Israel and stayed a while with a man named Philip, who had been a deacon in Jerusalem almost thirty years earlier. While they were there, a prophet named Agabus came. Agabus took Paul's belt and tied his hands and feet and said, The Holy Spirit says that this will happen to you in Jerusalem, that you will be tied up by the unbelieving Jews there then turned over to the Gentiles. Luke and the others then begged Paul not to go to Jerusalem. But Paul just said to them, Why are you crying and making me unhappy? Why, I'm ready not only to be tied up, but also to die for the name of the Lord Jesus in Jerusalem if necessary. And Paul kept insisting that he was going to go to Jerusalem. So finally his friends stopped trying to get him not to go. Instead they just said, Let the will of the Lord be done. So finally Paul got to Jerusalem, and Luke and some others had gone with him. I think they were good friends to stay with Paul when they knew he was headed for trouble, don't you? When they got to Jerusalem, the believers there were very happy to see him. And the next day, Paul went to see the leaders of the church. James, the half-brother of Jesus, and the other elders were there. Well, Paul told the leaders, who were all Jews, that many Gentiles had become believers in this missionary journey. And they were very happy about that and gave glory to God. But then the leader said to Paul, you know that many thousands of Jews are believers in Jesus, but they also want to follow the law of Moses. Remember, earlier they had decided that the Gentiles did not have to follow the law of Moses, and no one, not even Jews, would be saved by following it, would they? But lots of Jews still wanted to do the things in the law of Moses. They liked these things, and they were used to doing them. Why, remember, even Paul had wanted to be in Jerusalem for some of the special Jewish holidays. So that was all right for them to do, wasn't it? They just mustn't think that they had to do them to be saved, right? But then the leaders of the Jerusalem church said, But these believing Jews have heard that you are teaching the Jews who live among the Gentiles, that these Jews who believe in Jesus should not follow the law of Moses either that they shouldn't do the things that they are used to doing under the law of Moses. Now, Paul wasn't saying that at all, was he? So he made a point of helping some men with a ceremony at the temple of the Lord that they wanted to do, a ceremony that was part of the law of Moses. That way, everyone would know that Paul was not saying that the believing Jews couldn't follow the law of Moses. It was just that it wouldn't save them. 
But several days later, when Paul was at the temple, some unbelieving Jews from over probably near Ephesus were there too. They had seen Paul earlier with a Gentile, and now they saw Paul in the temple. And they thought that Paul had brought the Gentile into the temple with him, which would have been very much against the rules. But Paul hadn't done that. But in a way they thought he had. So they grabbed Paul and began shouting out, Help, men of Israel! This is the man who is teaching us all the things against the law of Moses and against the temple. Then they shouted, And now he's brought a Gentile into the temple. So a whole bunch of Jews in Jerusalem got all upset and ran together, and they grabbed Paul and they dragged him out of the temple area, and the doors were slammed shut. And they began beating Paul and were just about to kill him. But remember, the Romans were ruling Jerusalem as well as all of Israel and all over everywhere else, and the Romans liked to keep things orderly and peaceful. So the Romans had built a fort right next door to the great Jewish temple so they could keep an eye on things. Well, the head captain of the Roman fort heard that there was a riot in Jerusalem, so right away this captain took soldiers and officers and ran down to the rioting Jews who were going to kill Paul. Can't you just picture all this running and shouting in your mind? Wow! Well, the Roman soldiers got there. When the rioters saw them, they stopped beating Paul, and the head captain got near and took Paul away from them and gave orders to have Paul chained up. Then he said, Who is this man? What has he done? Well, some of the people yelled that Paul had done one thing, and others yelled that Paul had done something else. Mobs usually don't know why they are rioting. They just get carried away with the excitement and shouting without thinking about what they are doing. We should always think about why we are doing something, shouldn't we? Well, I'm sorry, but I'm going to have to stop here for now, because this is the end of Paul's third missionary journey. I know this is a bad place to stop, but this would just be way too long if I kept telling you what happened next. Why, you might fall asleep while I was talking, like Eutychus did when Paul was talking. But don't worry about the Apostle Paul. The Romans will rescue him. And the next time I'll tell you more about how the Romans rescued Paul from being killed by those unbelieving Jews, and how they gave Paul trials and what happened then. You will hear lots of exciting things, including a shipwreck. All right now, so what have we talked about so far today? Yes, about what we call Paul's third missionary journey. He traveled with Silas and Timothy, and Luke and Titus were with him part of the time too. As before, he started out from Antioch in Syria, and he went all through Galatia to the cities there and he continued traveling overland until he came to the big city of Ephesus. There he found people who only knew about what John the Baptist preached, about repenting from their sins. So Paul told them about Jesus, and they believed. He stayed a couple of years there in Ephesus, and lots of people heard about the Lord Jesus and were saved. But what did Demetrius the silversmith do then? Yes! Demetrius caused a riot. Why? 
That's right, because Demetrius made silver idols of the false god Diana and sold them, but not so many people were buying them anymore because they now believed in Jesus. The riot went on for two hours with the people shouting, Great is Diana the Ephesians! Finally, an official was able to make the crowd quiet down. And then Paul got on his ship, went over that part of the Mediterranean Sea to Philippi in Macedonia, and down further, probably to the city of Corinth. After a while, some unbelieving Jews were going to hide and grab Paul when he was looking. But Paul found out about it and went back up to Philippi, where Luke joined him again. Then they sailed over to Troas. And there in Troas is where poor, sleepy Eutychus fell out of the third-story window during Paul's very long sermon. Was Eutychus killed when he fell? I don't know for sure. But Paul went down to him, and Eutychus was all right. And I think it was a miracle that the Lord let Paul do. The Bible doesn't come right out and say that. So I need to be careful what I say, don't I? Well then, Paul walked away from Troas for a way, then got on his ship with his friends and sailed from island to little island until he came to near Ephesus. But he didn't go to Ephesus, did he? Why not? Yes, because he was afraid his friends would try to talk him into staying a while, but he wanted to get back to Jerusalem in time for the big holiday of Pentecost. So he had the elders from Ephesus come meet him, and they talked, and he told them that they wouldn't see him again. The Holy Spirit had told him that he would be tied up and have lots of trouble in Jerusalem. So they cried and hugged each other and prayed, and he sailed away. Finally Paul got to Jerusalem, and the leaders there talked to him about whether he was teaching believing Jews not to follow the customs of the Jews or the laws of Moses. Of course he said, no, they can do that. This wouldn't save them, but it would be all right to do. Of course, the only thing that saves us is trusting in Jesus, who died for our sins and rose from the dead, right? But some men saw Paul in the temple in Jerusalem and thought he was bringing a Gentile there. So these men started shouting for others to help them, and they grabbed Paul, and they dragged him out of the temple area and started beating him. We're just about to kill him. But the Roman soldiers from the fort next door to the temple rescued him and tied him up, and that's where we had to stop. Next time, I'll tell you what happened after that. Now, Paul wrote quite a few letters. In fact, we have 13 letters to churches or people in the New Testament that we know that Paul wrote. We have letters to churches in the region of Galatia, in Ephesus, in Philippi, in Thessalonica, and in Corinth, all places I told you about that Paul visited, right? In our Bible, they are called letters or epistles. That just means letters. The letters to the Galatians, to the Ephesians, to the Philippians, to the Thessalonians, and to the Corinthians. We also have a letter that he wrote to the Colossians, a city in Colossae, which is about a 100 miles from Ephesus and a letter he wrote to the Roman believers in Rome. We also have letters in the New Testament that Paul wrote to his friends Timothy and Titus, who used to travel with him, and to a man he knew named Philemon. All of these letters often answer questions that Christians have even now. Questions about how to run churches, 
or whether we have to obey the law of Moses, or how to treat each other, or even about when the Lord Jesus will come back. The longest letter of Paul that we have in the New Testament is the one he wrote to the Christians in Rome. But then the shortest letter of Paul that we have in the New Testament is a tiny little letter just to the man named Philemon, telling him that his runaway slave was with him, Paul, in Rome, and the slave had become a Christian, and that Paul was sending him back, and for Philemon to be nice to him and to treat him like a brother. We have all of these letters in the New Testament in our Bibles. I'm glad, aren't you? Well, next time, I will finish up our little series of talks together about the Apostle Paul. I hope you're enjoying hearing them as much as I'm enjoying telling them to you.